Hello, and welcome to American Riviera Bank's Regional Pulse. This is Lori Murray, Residential Lending Manager for the bank. Today, we have John Standring with us to discuss the workforce housing crisis on the Central Coast. As president of Beachside Partners, John focuses on acquisitions, development, and disposition of commercial and residential real estate throughout the South Coast. Since 2008, he has successfully negotiated and closed hundreds of real estate transactions and completed more than $300 million in real estate sales over the last decade. John is an active member in the Santa Barbara community, serving as president of the Santa Barbara Young Professionals Club Foundation and president for the Coastal Housing Coalition. John and his wife, Lisa, have three boys, James, Jacob, and Luke. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So today, we were talking about the crisis of the workforce housing on the Central Coast, and I just wanted to have a bit of a discussion about what you're seeing as Coastal Housing Coalition board president. And coming off of your conference last week, which I heard was a great success with over 160 people in attendance. That's correct. Yeah, we had a really good event. It was, it was, it was a really good conversation. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it. Great. So how do you define workforce housing? What incomes are you thinking about what, when you talk about workforce housing? And what group are you catering to when we talk about workforce housing? Yeah, you know, workforce housing is one of those terms that I think a lot of people take differently. Um, you know, some workforce housing people think, you know, hospitality workforce, cooks, dishwashers, you know, hospitality and all kinds of people that are kind of at the lower end that may qualify for some subsidies. For the Coastal Housing Coalition, we're pretty specific in that we want to cater to the missing middle. So for us, the missing middle is defined pretty easily. They don't qualify for any subsidies, yet they don't make enough to purchase a home at the median home price. So getting specific, single people who make about 90000 a year and couples who make about 120000 a year. So have great salaries, want to be a part of this community, but they're kind of stuck in this middle where they can't get any help from you know any type of subsidy program and yet go to qualify for a loan or go to try and buy a house and they're unable to do so. Um, so that's really kind of where we focus on trying to have a real conversation about this. You know, it's a really touchy subject. There's a lot of different sides. There's a lot of different opinions. Who should live here? Who should build? How should we build? Um, but we really feel that there's that missing middle. So that, that's kind of who we want our voice to be for. Yeah, I see that. Every day I was trying to qualify someone the other day for a $1.1 million house, which is on the lower end of Santa Barbara's. And you know, they were making almost $200,000 a year. And because of student loans and just regular life, I mean, they're having a really tough time trying to come up with a down payment and qualify. So we're seeing it definitely on all sides. And it's just astounding that people with that income working that can't find that middle yeah. ground. I'm raising three boys and you think about a sense of community and who better than community than American Riviera Bank. But it's like, how, what kind of community are we going to have? You know, if we can't have the people who are really want to be a part of this, you know, I, I personally believe that there's no correct answer. We're never going to build our way out of this. However, there's some really smart people in our community. There's some really passionate people in our community. And if everyone kind of, you know, gives a little or, or, or understands that we're in this crisis in which you've got elementary school teachers commuting in from Santa Paula or Santa Maria, which isn't bad but they want to be a part of this community and firefighters police officers nurses at cottage there's a lot to talk about as far as who it is and how to fix it you know i don't i don't think the coastal housing coalition or myself have all the answers but it was really great for the conference to see a lot of like-minded individuals trying to at least see what's the next step 
And what are you finding are the biggest obstacles to create housing on the Central Coast? Yeah, so that's a that, that's a really good one. You know, everyone likes to point the finger. So we've got, you know, the I'll start with the private sector because at Beachside Partners, you know, we'll deal with developers and we have, you know, our, our own developments that we do individually or that we represent. And it always comes down to the policy. There's uncertainty. So you look at a potential site, you say, okay, I can get over what the price per square foot is on this, you know, high barrier of entry market. But then you go look at the policies set by our municipality in the city, and there's not what we would say certainty. So they're not only having to pay a premium, have a loan, have property taxes, all these things. They don't even know if they can build what they're going to get. On the flip end, there is the mindset that developers are bad, and they're just out here for a profit, and they're just you know trying to build for what we now call market rate housing. There's a real disconnect, I think, is the biggest obstacle, is that you've got non-business people making business decisions in the policy making and then on top of which you've got business people not necessarily being a part of this community so again i think it's all good it's all part of how santa barbara has been and where it's going like i said we're not going to build ourselves out of this but i think one of the biggest obstacles is that we're not all having one voice we're not all coming together and really trying to address this even on a on a on a small level right like it's we're not saying oh let's build a million houses but let's start with something let's look at maybe a downtown parking lot or look at one of these properties owned by the county or if there's a developer who's willing to you know get a lower return but in turn want some certainty with how to get this built and not have all the pushback and all the discretionary review um, I personally feel there's been a line that's been kind of divided and you're either on one side or the not and the sad thing about it is that missing middle suffers right how many units do you think need to be built. I know I put this question in and I thought, oh, this is just kind of a loaded one. But what is that number? How many pe- how many people are we missing the boat on to live in our community? You know, I don't I don't I don't know if I can give you a specific number um, because I like I said, I personally don't believe we'll ever have enough housing. Um, I came here 20 years ago and never left and I think you can go anywhere in the world and everybody's going to know, oh, Santa Barbara. However, Um, I think that even starting with, you know, there's CEQA requirements and and, and what the state's coming down with, you know, I don't know if it's 4,000, 5,000 units, the specific number um, I don't have off the top of my head. But, you know, I think starting somewhere Mm -hmm. is is a good place. You know, the the AUD program, which was the bonus density, you know, that got a – that, that in theory should be great, got a bad rap. There are a couple projects that people just were not ready for here. ADUs, the accessory dwelling units, is a great tool that I think the city's done a great job of starting to streamline. To give you a specific number, in a perfect world, if I could wave a magic wand, I'd like to call it 100 teachers, 100 nurses, mm-hmm. and 100 firefighters and police officers be saying, here, here you go, 500 units, deed restricted, just kind of like what Cottage did up at, right. the, at the old hospital. You know, get, Let these people be a part of this community. Let people who want to be here live here and provide the housing. And I think that would start to help. The problem is density. Everyone is scared of the word density. And what does it mean? And not in my backyard. And I think if you look at all the studies and you look at everything that goes on, I understand people don't want like change. And and yet we're going to have a real crisis. And, and the word I use is, and the place I use is on our board of directors. Um, I can't take credit for it, but it says, we don't want to turn into Monaco. You know, ultra, ultra wealthy and the really, really, really unfortunate, very poor 
you know, and not saying we're going to go there, but it's it's already harding. You you need to have a workforce in your community to really thrive. Well, we see that. We've seen that with all of the um, mudslides and debris flows and fires. Okay. And Perfect when example. 101, it was cut off, people couldn't get here to work. Essential workers. And yeah. there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of really good companies that can't hire good people. And they just, it's just, it's too expensive to live here. And And I get it. I work really hard to live here, and my wife and I have, and we feel very fortunate to be here and raising three boys. It's just it's it's interesting too because we're we're in Washington and, and talking to some of these teachers and seeing where they commute from and how they've been here, and it's just like well, when you you bought your house, so you're okay, but in 20 years when you retire, how are we going to get new teachers? You know how how are we literally going to do this? So I'm glad the community's talking about it. I think it's no longer a conversation of if we're in a crisis. It's now who and how are we going to step up and try to address it? There are, as you, we talked about a little bit, you talked about the cottage housing program and their development up at the old St. Francis property. Other um, employers building workforce housing other than cottage. Um, UCSB has some housing for some of their people. But other than that, uh, Westmont, I think, has a housing program. Any other employers that we're seeing have projects in line that are coming up? Uh, we at Beachside Partners, we get a lot of uh, employers who are looking for downtown housing that are willing to say, hey, I can own this building and put my employees here. It, it is something that I think when they uh, really have an opportunity to get good personnel, housing is the one thing that, yeah. that falls back on. When I go back and think of the employers who are doing things, you know, you mentioned UCSB, Cottage. These are all individual entities that all have their own agendas as well. Right. So it's kind of this tough conversation of well, you're, you know, Munger Hall gets a lot of press right now. And, and they have a lot of bad press. I mean, and, and they're being sued by other municipalities. <laughs> and I think there's this, this overall, on the Central Coast, there's this challenge of where and how do we build, and there's this overall negative connotation of density. Um, so I think employers are a little, they want to build, they want to have these projects, but things can't pencil. I mean, you you, yeah. you, you yeah, know no, numbers no. better than I do, yeah. on what, and it just it doesn't make financial sense. Um, I think, again, in my, in my opinion and in the Coastal Housing Coalition's opinion, it's, it's starting with something. I mean, no, we'd love to see a project in an area in which deed restrictions and or um, a little more certainty. And we, I personally feel very confident that as a community, we could pull all the people, the developer, the lender, the city, and the, the other maybe corporations that would be involved and have a little stake in it and, and, and build this this housing that will, that will work. Um, you know, I think the government subsidized housing programs, they do a fantastic job. They get a lot of funding. They have a lot of sites. They do a really good job. The challenge with that is that people make too much money to qualify for that. Yeah. And so that's really the part that's kind of, they just kind of gone by the wayside. And again, I always use the word community because it's like, who are we going to be if we don't have these essential workers? And you, you touched on it, the mudslides. Like, what? How is this going to work? Yeah. I think about there's a lot of um, city affordable housing projects as well as county that are getting dated. Um, a lot of them were built over 30 years ago, are close, coming up on close to 30 years because the deed restrictions are about to come off on some of those. 
But I look at some of those properties that are, when we talk about density, that are totally underutilized at this point as far as being able to add additional units possibly to those. But I think it's including everybody, right? It's including the county, the city, developers. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of people that can do a lot of great things if we can, I think, as you say, get everyone kind of to the table to think of think in those terms. Yeah, and that's kind of where you when we use the term coalition, that's what we were hoping to do. So at this conference last week, you know, we had we had developers in there, we had uh, elected officials, we had uh, you know, the head of permitting and planning was was in there for the county. There's a lot of city thing and I think everybody really wants to do it. It's just a matter of no one really knows how to do it. You know, you talk about our the the aging housing stock. I mean, the year I wanted, it was probably like 1959 or when it was, when there was just this real environmental pushback on, we will not build. So we didn't. And I wasn't around. Um, so <laughs> I, I, there's no judgment on on what was, was going on at that time. But I think you look now, there's a lot of misinformation about new development of how much water it will use, or where, what parking's needed, and you know what, what does it cost to build it, how much of and And a lot of these projects on, there's such cool, innovative ways that architects, developers um, can really build things that, that make a lot of sense. You say infill projects, right? right. You know, the, the, yeah. these projects that everyone wants to see, you know, like the Nordstrom building or the Paseo Nuevo. Now, there's a lot of challenges, obviously, with with how, how it's, you know, constructed and how do you get all of the, the nuts and bolts, per se, of what the developer needs to tap into the sewer system or electrical or water or whatever. But yeah, there's this this I think there's still this notion of we don't want to build. We want to keep our little safe town what it is, which I respect. I'm not against that, but as a member who's been here now 20 years and someone who is part of this community, we need to address it. And it may not be for my generation, but my kids for sure. And and I think there's there's the passion behind it to want to do it. It's just now let's take a small step. I think the problem is everybody wants to take this giant step of build the Cumbra, you know, build 5,000 units or whatever it is, which still I think is a great idea. But in theory, let's find a project or two that work. And I think if people can get confident on what it means and it's not going to ruin our community or it's not going to hurt our community, that would be a good first step. The politics behind it, I'll say, are very challenging. And and I'm not going to act like I know how they operate, but it's a reality. And so that's just, I think that's just kind of the situation we're in. Have you seen a project that you think could work i'm familiar with a handful of projects in the downtown corridor where we see a developer go and ask for let's bonus density where mm-hmm. they'd like to have extra units without certain parking restrictions and if you watch the process of how those projects have to go through the design review board planning commission you know just at, at the staff level of the city or the county you have developers who want to put units here, and then you have a process which basically takes away those units. So I've seen a lot of projects that I know for a fact developers, if they could get the density that they're wanting that they can build that can pencil, they would in turn either deed restrict or provide for sale or for rent housing that they would be more than happy to say, hey, we'll allocate this, you know, there's an inclusionary of 15%, but they do... 25%. The problem is, is that it's always pushed back to, you can only do this. And it's kind of, you go in and ask for everything, and then you settle on that. 
And for them, as a developer with all the risk and everything going there, they're going to go to market rate, which is, I understand, I respect, it's a big business decision, but that's kind of a problem. If you have someone who's ready to put up the capital, the risk, and have more housing, yet it, through that discretionary process that we spoke about is they kind of pull back. So there's a really cool project um, that I would love to see kind of be a part of this on the De La Vino Korea corridor. There's a really cool project kind of down by Garden Street, kind of right by the 101 access by Office Depot that a developer who's at our conference is doing. I think there's some really exciting stuff going on out at La Cumbra. There's a lot of cool stuff on the Milpas corridor going. And I think what I don't want to see personally is I don't want to see a lot of out-of-town people come and capitalize on what what is here it's going to happen i respect it it's fine but i think there's a lot of local people who have been here that have the wherewithal to build this type of housing that are willing to do it it's going to be very interesting to see the housing authorities project in the Carrillo parking lot mm-hmm. where that is i mean mm-hmm. i think they, they do great projects but i think we need to get a little outside of our comfort zone you know part of our housing conference is we our keynote uh dr turnstein she came in and talked about the unintended consequences of policy and how segregation plays a role in that. And I can tell you the room to start off the morning, it was not a uh, all smiles situation, but it's, it's the reality of it. And I think that, you know, this city is a beautiful place. There's been people who've been here a long time. We as a community need to give a little bit and it's on all sides. It's not one or the other. I'm not, I personally, you can't blame the city. You can't blame the private sector. Everyone gives a little and we might be pleasantly surprised. Also, too, if you're if you're able to build more housing, then ideally, the older housing then can be repurposed for workforce. Or I think you don't necessarily, or maybe need um, all the market rate housing to have those restrictions. You may be able to put that down a little bit. In that, if you're building new, people that have been in the older may be ready to move up to the newer, and which opens up additional housing possibly for yeah absolutely and i think a big factor on that is when i talk about the adu right Mm -hmm. so we've got this older housing stock and this ability where the state allows you to basically streamline an extra unit and it's just one and the amount of housing that those adus can provide for you know your mother or father-in-law or a nursing student or a mortgage loan underwriter or mm-hmm. someone who is essentially a teacher someone who's part of this community this older housing stock there's people and there could probably be some really great funding programs where if they know they have certainty and it's like okay you can pick a b or c these are your designs this is who your lender is this is how much it will cost this is what you need to qualify for i bet we'd be really pleasantly surprised Again, it's a matter of people living in their bubble, working really hard for their bubble, which I respect, but not wanting the change. I, again, I don't think density is somewhere, you know, the, the, the keynote, she, Jessica talked about building housing everywhere. And I, I was a little personally like, oh, I don't know about everywhere because, you know, apartment buildings in certain residential neighborhoods, no. Um, the city council just recently had that short-term rental conversation where they wanted short-term rentals everywhere. And I'm, I didn't see that as being a real cure for stopping that aspect of it. But, you know, everyone who is in this community, I think, really wants to be a part of this. And 
again, I think if we had one project or two, yeah, that's what. Again, yeah. it's, it's it's just it's, it's just showing it. And like I said, we're not going to build enough housing for everybody. That's just that's just the reality. Everyone wants to live here. Unfortunately, it probably won't be that everyone can live here. But let's make a valid effort to try and, as a community, keep so there's not. You know, we talk about cars and traffic. Where do you think these people are commuting from? I mean, this is. I mean, you you go down the 101 on a Friday or a Monday, both north and south, and and it's there. And and we just, it's coastal California. People want to be here, and change is okay. It's hard. I know that firsthand. I don't always like change, but it's it's something that I think is. Uh, I'm optimistic. So the Coastal Housing Coalition lets me volunteer my time to continue that conversation. So we'll see where where it can go. That's a very important conversation, and thank you for spearheading that and putting on a great conference this year. And I think it's only just going to continue to improve upon itself. And I think that you're right. It's the momentum, right? It's the momentum coming out of that conference and the momentum that if we can get one project, then another project will follow and then another project. But it's it's that first one. It's tough. And, and, and getting people to buy buy in on it, it's not easy. But I'm 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 optimistic. I, I I'm 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 hopeful. So if we talk about ADUs and the ability for people to build ADUs, they're still expensive. Yes. So they really are not a inexpensive for people to put them on their properties. I mean, yes, there's a return, but it's gonna it takes a while to recover that money. And as you know, building in Santa Barbara is expensive. What opportunities are there? out there to help with the building of ADUs. Typically how I see people finance them is usually through a home equity line or maybe combination of their own cash and a home equity line. But that's tough too in that they're opening themselves up for a substantial amount of risk, especially with interest rates on the rise, by financing it that way. So what, um, as far as help, what can we do as a community to help build some of these units and get more units built without putting all of that on you know, the homeowner we want, you know, obviously it's yeah. going to increase the value of their property. Absolutely. Right. By having another unit that they can potentially rent out for income. But at the same time, that money has to come somewhere to build it. A- absolutely. So I-, I like to always go back to the certainty of building and, or I should say the uncertainty of building. So with an ADU, I think the, the first and foremost is like you said, how are we going to pay for this? And as a community, I think they're, could be programs where maybe you won't necessarily get dollars to construct it, but you have certainty of what the cost is to get it permitted. So firsthand right now, the policy, the state has come in and said, you can't overrule ADUs and then do this, yet we as a community are doing a good job, but there's still discretionary review, which I can understand and appreciate, um, but the first thing is certainty. So I envision this beautiful, easy uh, website in which it's like, okay, want to build an ADU? Option A, option B, option C. So you start with maybe the how it looks, so everyone gets all excited. And then the next level maybe tells, well, how are you going to pay for this? So I think from the, from the municipality, let's call it just the city of Santa Barbara, maybe if there's a certainty of, like, I couldn't tell you right now how much an ADU costs. I could tell you the varies, the varying cost of it, but it's going to change... There's a lot of uncertainty when you go to apply for your ADU. You don't know how many plan checks you have. You don't know how many single-family design review board meetings you're going to have, how many times you're going to pay your architect. If there was a set amount of money and time that was like, if you follow these guidelines, it will cost you $5,000, $10,000. Next, you choose your design, ABC. 
this one costs 200 grand. This one costs 300 grand. This one costs 800 grand. You know, whatever the number is. Here are the contractors that do it. In turn, if those contractors, kind of like the Coastal Housing Partnership, if mm-hmm. everyone kind of buys in and they're like, hey, we're a preferred partner, they like it because they're getting the business from this website. The neighbors of who have it know these are the three options that can be built here. This ADU process could be a really good tool. And I, I understand it's expensive and there is variation. But to paint the picture, I've got three kids. My mom is going to be moving to the Central Coast. She's got a lot of equity in her home up in the Bay Area. She's going to be buying probably not directly in Santa Barbara, but somewhere around here. If she had the ability to say, hey, I've got, we'll just call it the half a million dollar option to build ADU and I'll live there, that's going to be a lot better than having to afford to pay for a house. So from an investment for my family, if that was what we were looking to do, that's going to make a lot of sense. If the investment was to say, I want to have somebody who's going to be a teacher at an elementary school and I'm willing to take a little less rent, but I know that every year I've got an agreement with, you know, Washington or the school district or Providence, some one of these schools, they'll take that risk on that investment. I, I think with any investment, if there's a, there's no, nothing is perfect, but with right. that certainty and a little more of a streamline of it's going to take six months, it's going to take 12 months. Um, I think that's something that could really help people understand of whether they're doing it. Now the idea, and I, I'm up on the Mesa, so it's interesting because there's a couple streets you go on now and it feels like Manhattan beach um, or, you know, some parts of Santa Monica where you're just like, whoa, those are two homes on a 8,000 square foot lot. Um, it doesn't personally bother me, but I also have three kids who are always screaming in the backyard on the trampoline or doing something. But I think there's, it's kind of what the new normal is going to be and in a lot of things. And I think if you don't like that, I understand, I appreciate it, but I think you have to allow families and people who are wanting to invest in the future to at least have that opportunity to do it. So I think that's kind of the new normal. I'd much rather have an ADU next to me than a 16-unit apartment building, you know, or these laws with SB9, SB10, where there's no more single-family zoning, and you can just do a lot split and put a duplex. And um, it's like I said, it's a very complicated situation. It is complicating, yeah, especially with the not in my backyard, in addition to the other regulations that we're seeing constantly um, relating to being able to build or not being able to build and changing. So I do understand that. There are, um, I have heard actually Cal Hafa has a program to help assist with ADUs where if you fall into the income level, and there actually it's a pretty generous yeah. income level uh, that Cal Hafa has to help with, the, I think they'll do like a $40,000 grant. Which is great. Which is I great. Mean, every bit helps. And I think that if, I think homeowners or people who wanted to be homeowners, um, the more certainty they had, the easier it would be. You know, another concept that just popped in my head is imagining if, you know, you had a neighbor who's like, oh, we love having the kids around or we love having that and they have the space to build it. And maybe you go into some sort of partnership with them, like we'll pay for the ADU. We're going to do this. We'll go in there and they may not have kids or they may, you know, say, oh, that's that's great. I'll go into some sort of partnership. You can build it in my backyard. I want to be a part of this. It's probably far and few between. But I think... If there's more options with certainty is my personal belief is where the challenge is now because now you've got there's no given timelines you don't know what pushback is you don't know what cost is you there's just it's it's just it's it's hard and I think that with rising interest rates with the cost of hitting a, a good quality contractor 
um, it's, it makes it next to impossible. And the people who are doing it now, a lot of them are doing it cash and, and, and that's great. You know, I think that's, that's good on them, but going back to that word community and certainty, is that really what we want to see? So we're making progress. I, I, I do think Santa Barbara as a whole, it's no longer a matter of, do we need to talk about this? It's like, okay, this, this is here. We're moving forward. Um, it's just a matter now of who do we want to have make the decisions and how do we want to have these decisions made about workforce housing and solutions to try and fix it? Well, I think as we're coming out of pandemic and seeing employers trying to bring employees back, um, I know it's been really difficult to get some employees back, especially yeah. at the big companies out in Goleta that yeah. really want them back. And, they and built out these beautiful campuses and now they're people are trying to come back and there's nowhere for them to to live yeah and the new and the new normal is i mean covid and what happened is it it it, this remote working people are like well why do i want to live in a big busy city now when i can be outside at the beach making the same amount of money having the same job and having a very different lifestyle Um, like i said earlier it's everybody loves santa barbara it's a really special place it's we're very fortunate to be here and I, I love talking with people who, who have been here and, and are trying to, you know, make it here. And it's, it's again, I, I feel very fortunate that I have, and that, but it's, it's something that's a real challenge. And, and COVID did not help the situation, yeah. you know. It was no. something that just home prices skyrocketed, rentals skyrocketed, and it's a simple supply and demand. And so that kind of goes back to some housing would would alleviate that. There's always going to be really high demand. But right now, there's not really options. So people make it work. And it's right. it's it's unfortunate because there's older housing stock where they're getting really big numbers for, and there's newer housing stock they're just getting exuberant rents and not for. And Again, I, I think that's great. I'm trust me of all people. I'm, right. I'm I'm in that business. I think it's right. it's great for you if you want to take risk and get the reward of it. Um, but I think what I see mostly is there's a lot of people on that side that do want to help this community and do want to be a bigger part of something. Um, it's just a matter of us having a very real conversation. So that again is that conference was really cool to see, and I like to be optimistic. Let's see what else am I going to do. Well, I think you have every right to be. You've done a lot. Um, you've talked to a lot of people, and you keep the conversation going, which is the most important thing to do is to keep the conversation going and try to get us all to the table to figure out a way to make something happen. And it will. Yeah, I, it I will. think so. We're, we're, uh, we're hoping to have another event this year. We're, we want to bring – I'm going to blank on the name of the project, but right over here on Santa Barbara Street right next to Jerry Beaver's building, that new low-income right. yeah. tiny homes. Yeah, the tiny home project. What an amazing project. My office is right there. It's The, the idea of it was a little like, okay, so you're going to have tiny homes. It's an amazing project that I think is really going to help a lot of people. And what, that was a 10,000-square-foot parking lot that now has homes to, I don't know, is it 25 people? And, and it's yeah. a very well-run program. So the success is out there. Like I said, the subsidized programs are really well done. I think if there's just, we'd maybe take notes from some of that. And again, you're not going to see a lot of workforce families living in tiny homes per se, but who knows? They're, 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 there's, I think if there's options, it will, and then it will help alleviate the rents and the costs. You know, it's not going to plummet ever because this is such a high demand area, but got to start somewhere. Let's do it.
Let's get people into houses and get our teachers and firefighters and policemen into places that they can live in their community and be invested in their community. That's it's the most important part. You, you're really 100% is. right. And that investing community, it's something that I know you know very well and dear. Very and it's well. something that is really what I think to get everyone to buy in is going gonna, is gonna to happen and hopefully make it work. All right. Well, thank you, John. Um, thanks for your time today. Thanks to everyone that is listening to us. Uh, to learn more about the Coastal Housing Coalition, you can visit their website at coastalhousingcoalition.org. And if you want to learn more about American Riviera Bank, visit us at AmericanRiviera.bank. <laughs>